It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, everybody? Today we have special guest, Greg Feinberg from Bullets Forever. We are going to talk about whether Jordan Poole is the face of the franchise and Denny versus Bilal, who has the more upside as a prospect. We're going to talk about that and more next on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And today we have special guest, Greg Finberg of Bulls Forever. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, like I told you before, I listened to this this podcast for a while now, so it's awesome to finally be a guest on. I'm excited to talk Wizards basketball with you, too. Yes, sir. Appreciate your time, man. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to start off with Jordan Poole. Now, obviously, Jordan Poole coming over from the Golden State Warriors, part of the Chris Paul trade. Um, 
we all know about him and Draymond. <laughs> That's well known at this point. But, you know, there's been interviews with um, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and now Andre Iguodala that kind of praised his work ethic. And when he came over from Golden State, the first thing he did when we drafted Bilal Kulabali was introduce himself. And there's been reports that he actually brought players out to L.A. to work out. So we know that he has talent. But from a leadership standpoint, I mean, do you, can you see Jordan Poole being the face of the franchise? I can. Uh, I think it'll be split. Him and Kuz are going to have to take that role. But, uh, look, Poole is only 24. Kuz is 28. Like, they're they're still young. Uh, so, obviously, they need to mature. But I think the Draymond situation really forced Poole to understand the NBA and understand that, look, sometimes it's not going to go your way. Sometimes there's going to be that rift between guys in the locker room. But it's kind of how you bounce back from and handle those situations that makes you a leader and that, that's what makes teams like the Warriors where you have Curry, Clay, Draymond, you have the core, uh, and they kind of set the standard for not only the work ethic, but how you're going to come in as a person every single day. And being in a great organization like that um, and a great culture like the Warriors coming over and bringing that to D.C., uh, I think he's going to thrive here. It's the same thing. Who's coming from a winning organization in L.A.? We need more winners here in D.C. because it's it's not it's not been a great culture the last couple of years, especially um, under Tommy Shepard, uh, where we lost a lot. So I think Jordan can definitely rise into that role. I think I'm more focused on him in terms of what he can bring on the basketball court. I think Kuz is going to emerge as that locker room guy. Even when we had Brad and, and KP and Dinwiddie and all those guys, Kuz stepped, his, stepped it up in terms of being a leader making sure guys bring it every day. So I think you'll, you'll see a little bit of a shared responsibility there between those two, but I'm definitely excited to see what, what Jordan brings to the table. Yeah, you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, oh crypto Spencer Dinwiddie. Because, um, you know, since we get, traded Russell Westbrook, we've been kind of searching for that franchise point guard. And you can say that we're kind of spoiled. You know, we went through 10 years of John Wall, electrifying years of John Wall, and then you go to Russell Westbrook. We kind of similar uh, play style, but, you know, these last couple of years, we've been trying to turn combo guards into point guards, and it hasn't really worked out with Spencer Dillwood and Monte Morris. So, you know, now we have Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole. And I believe that, you know, obviously going into the season, Tyus Jones is going to be the starter. But I think after the deadline, when we kind of do a couple of consolidation trades, and a lot of fans want to see Jordan Poole at point guard. So if you could compare him to a couple of iconic point guards that we've had in franchise history and Gilbert Arenas and John Wall, how do you compare the three? Look, it, John's definitely a more pass-first point guard, even Gilbert. Jordan Poole, he's got great court vision, don't get me wrong, but I'm not looking at him to be a four, five, six assists per game guy. In terms of the usage that we're going to give him, I think he could get to that. But the, the question is, is it going to be with a high turnover rate? I'm sure it'll be with a high turnover rate, so I don't know. But if you look at the stats, uh, without Curry last year, he played a lot of point guard. In the, uh, in the 26 games without Curry last year, he averaged 26 points, 5 assists, 2.8 rebounds. It's really good numbers, and I think that's going to be a similar role to what he has here. So I like the comparison to, to Gilbert a little more than John. He's going to be a guy that can get you 20 points per game easy. He's going to set the table for everyone, not on the same level as John, but he's going to bring it every night. I think if he can get up to that 4 or 5 assists per game, keep it under 2 turnovers per game, I'd be really happy. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I think that me personally, I would like to see him as a long-term answer at point guard because, like you said, you know he needs to kind of settle down a little bit. He's a little erratic, you know. He's, you know, he plays real free with the basketball, but I mean, he just he's a walking basket, man. I mean, he can score whenever he wants. And if you look last year, he averaged twenty, and I think a lot of people have him kind of penciled in as averaging 
25 plus. And I think that's attainable because between him and Kyle Kuzma, they're going to shoot the ball. That's not going to be a problem. That's not a problem in DC. But we're going to shift focus real quick. Um, looking at Denny Avia, obviously coming into the season uh, as a contract year for him. Um, we know what he can do, which is defense. He's on point. You know, he can play elite level defense. But offensively, you know, his three point percentage has gone down. Um, he's had issues with, you know, using his left hand where defense is kind of pushing him to go left. And, you know, going through, you know, finishing through traffic has been an issue where he's worked on it. And he's had some dunks here and there driving through the lane, but he definitely needs to work on his offensive repertoire. But he was drafted by Tommy Shepard. And now with the new regime coming in, where do you think the focus is as far as long term prospects between Denny and Bilal? You think that, you know, if he if he evolves offensively, he could stay here in D.C. Or do you think that he's pretty much a prime target to be moved to the deadline? Uh, look, I think we're going to know a lot about Will Dawkins' intentions with the young core and the veterans as we get closer to the start of the season. Uh, guys like Shamit, guys like Gallinari, they're, they're guys that can still be moved, and they're going to be taking up the minutes of Johnny and Bilal and maybe Denny, Patrick Baldwin Jr. These guys are – they're not old, old, but, like, look, Gallinari and Shamit are getting up there in age, and then you got a bunch of young guys coming in is it the best option for the Wizards to go and try to play guys like Sham and Gallinari and win now? Or is it best to move them and then let the younger guys develop? And I think we'll see what our stance on that is as we get closer to this, uh, the season and even closer to the deadline. Uh, but as, in terms of Denny and developing, it's been the same uh, thing every single year. It's his jump shot, mainly his three-point jumper. It's been terrible. It, like, it, There's no way around it. Like, Every year you want him to get better. Denny's my guy. I've, I've been torn for him ever since draft night. But at a certain point, you can't play your, the offense you want to play when you have a liability like that. And if, if my small forward, uh, the defender, is cheating over to Poole and cheating over to Kuzma, playing off of him, especially when the confidence isn't there, that makes it so much tougher for me to score on offense. And if he's going to be that type of liability, I don't care if he's locking down the other guy on the other end, like, it, it just isn't not only attainable for the season, but for the future. And if he wants to gain that contract extension, I think he's definitely got to add that three-point shot. Totally agree. He is definitely a three-point shot away from being a really good player in this league. So before we roll next, man, um, talk about Bilal real quick, um, current draft pick. Do you think that he can eventually evolve his offensive game, or you think he's kind of in the same boat with Denny where – He's going to be solid defensively, if not elite defensively, if you look at his intangibles, his wingspan. Do you think the offensive side is going to come along eventually? Yeah, look, I'm I'm a sophomore in college. Bilal is my age. He might be a little younger than me. Like, I couldn't even imagine myself being where he is, about to play in the, the NBA at my age. It's a lot on him. And he just played in the France League. Uh, and he played in the finals. Like, he is really, really young, really raw. I think – his game is going to come along and it's not going to be in, in one year. It's not going to be in two years, but give it like three to four. And I think his offensive game can start to come along. He definitely needs to add a jump shot. As we see in today's NBA, you can't really be a two guard or even a, fo a small forward without a three point shot. Um, and the, the defense is there. Like he has the length, he has the size, he has all the traits to be a great defender. Uh, the athleticism, something that you can't really teach. He has everything, but he just needs to put it together. And I think, the Wizards taking it slow and using these next couple of years to develop their guys is only going to help them because if we're impatient with Bilal, as we saw with guys like uh, Sekou Demboya in Detroit, Killian Hayes, like a lot of these guys get rushed into it and they're just, they're not good enough at that stage and then they move on. I think 
Bilal is going to benefit from being the first player drafted amidst this rebuild. He's going to have three to four years to grow his game, and, and by then I think he's going to be really good. I don't think he's going to ever be an unreal three-point shooter. I don't think he's ever going to be an unreal scorer, but I think he's going to be the type of guy that every team needs to win a championship. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, it kind of behooves him to develop the offensive game because, as we know, it is an offensive and really a per- perimeter-driven league. So you got to, you know – you know, me and E talk about it all the time, like, you know, back in the day when you had Patrick Ewing, you know, you didn't expect him to step out and hit no three-pointer. But now, you know, you look at centers like Jokic, you know, Cat, they can sit back there behind the line and, and then hit him. So you definitely is a perimeter-driven league. But next, we're going to move on. I'm going to hand the mic over to my guy. Um, we're going to talk about the starting five. Before we do, tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on the Super Bowl winner, which is going to be the Washington Managers, then you know you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over and unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start earning, earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. FanDuel. And thank you for being Locked On Wizards. Your first listen every single day. Every day or tomorrow, we are going to do some player rankings. So definitely tune in because it's going to be a good episode. So I'm going to hand it over to my Manny. Yes, sir. Um, so we asked this for everybody this offseason. Of course, it's been the hot topic. Who is in your starting five? Uh, my starting five, Tyus Jones. Look, 16-8 and eight last year without John Morant in all those games that he missed. Led the league the last two years in assist-to-turnover ratio. He's a guy that I thought was going to leave last offseason to come and be a starter somewhere. The Wizards actually offered him money to be the starter here, and he decided to stay in Memphis. I think he's been the guy that's itching to break that um, role of being a bench player to coming in and starting. Uh, and I think the opportunity here in D.C. is going to be great for, for him and for the Wizards. So I'm excited to see him run the show here. Jordan Poole at the two. Just go out there, score the ball. I don't need anything more than him. I think he's going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. Just needs to be efficient. That's the only thing um, that a little uh, some people are concerned about. Uh, at the three, actually, I'm going to go back to the three because that's that's the point I want to talk a lot about. Um, we'll go to the four. It's Kuz. Just gave him a big $100 million extension. Uh, I'm really excited for, for him because all of last year it was, are we going to trade him? At the deadline, then when we didn't trade him, are we going to move on from him in the offseason because he wants a lot of money? He's kind of – he got his money. He can just play freely. We can watch as fans knowing that he's going to be here for a while. And he's just going to come in here and, he, and he's going to dominate. I'm really excited to see him as the leader of this team. And then at center, I mean, there's not much of a choice. We have two centers on the roster, something that I'm not a big fan of and I'd like to see us sign another one. But Gafford starts – and he started most of last year, but – it was also next to KP, so you don't really get to see him as the sole anchor down low. But he had that stretch, uh, coincidentally, the same stretch that, that Denny had, those same stretch of games in, like, Texas against the Mavs and the, and the Spurs and the Pelicans. And on that road trip, he was unreal. He's a great lob threat. He's a great defensive anchor, and I'm, I'm excited to see him. And then the, the thing that we've all been debating all offseason, it's the small forward. Denny, 
or Corey. For me, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Denny. I feel like not, I'm not leaning towards Denny, the player. I'm leaning towards defense here, and that's why I'm picking Denny. I mean, Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, they're all average defenders, maybe a little below average. And then you got Gafford, who's the anchor. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable trotting Corey out there and, and having the defense be lacking, especially in an, uh, a system with Wes Hansel Jr. that hasn't been good the last two years. I think we were bottom 10 last year in, in team defense. So I think I'm not necessarily leaning towards Denny. I'm leaning towards defense, and that's why I'm picking Denny. You could make the case for Corey. We need three-point shooting. We were 21st last year in the league. That's not good. But I, I just think that we need some defense in this lineup, and I'm, I'm hoping that Denny's shooting comes along because if it doesn't, then then I don't really know. No, I mean, it, it's it's such a, it's a tough debate. Like, there's good arguments for both sides. Like, Denny obviously is the light years ahead defensively than Corey Kispert. And then you got Jordan Poole and Tyus, which is not a great defensive backcourt at all. So you need some type of defensive wing out there, and Denny would certainly help. But I, I would love the spacing with Corey, Jordan, Jordan Poole, and Tyus, and Kuz, and, and Gafford. That would be great spacing out there. And I think Jordan Poole would make Corey better, getting him a lot of open looks. Tyus would make Corey better as well, getting him a lot of open looks. And then Jordan would have a lot of room uh, on the court to operate. And Corey's such a good cutter as well. So I, I really like Corey's offensive game. I think he can be a 50-40-90 guy in this league. And then I think Denny, you know, if he can – without fouling, I think he can be an, an elite defender in this league for sure. So there's both sides to it. West also junior, for some reason, like he'll start Denny and then he'll find like Anthony Gill to replace him or just some random wizard to replace him in the starting lineup every year. And then somehow West also junior finds a way to put Corey Kispert into the lineup, into the starting lineup. Corey Kispert finds a way to be in the starting lineup. So it's kind of like, you know, you can look at who starts right now, but kind of who finishes the game or who finishes the season. And it's so like I don't think Tyus is going to be here after the trade deadline. So, you know, who could Jordan Poole move into the point guard, starting point guard position after the trade deadline? And then, you know, you get Corey in there at the two and then Denny at the three, Kuz at the four. Kuz may not even be here. So it, it's, it's definitely an interesting debate. But I think the more important lineup will be the one after the trade deadline because you get to see you're going to see more of the young guys where like you brought up earlier. Gallo, Shamet, they're going to be taking up a lot of playing time from the young guys as well. So they, we got to find different places for some of these older guys. The long right too, but um, it, yeah. it's an interesting debate. I just want to see who finishes the season as the starter. Mm-hmm. But for me, I personally would go with Corey because I think Denny too, I think he's better with the ball in his hands. And I think with the second unit off the bench, he'll get to control the ball more where he can bring the ball up. He can just get the boards, bring the ball up where – Kind of saw that last year where Brad was a starter, Monte was a starter, Kuz was a starter, Prisinger was the starter, and then Denny was kind of like sitting in the corner as a three and D guy. And I think that just it just suits Denny better to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, let me. Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. Like you mentioned that like last two minutes tie game, who's your five that you're throwing out there? Not necessarily yeah. starters, but like the five that you want to close out the game. Who's my five? Yeah, you're it's, five right now. It, 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 it's, 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 that's a good question. It's so situational because there's times where, where Denny was putting up the X against Giannis, and it's like you have to put Denny out there. There's just no way you can put him on the bench right now. He's locking up Brandon Ingram in the 2021 season where we started off 10-3. and three. you got to put him in there. So that's a heck of a question, too, and it's all situational. Like, But if we need points, obviously you got to put Corey in there because you need the mm-hmm. shots. You need the threes. You need some shots to get back in a game. So – Wes has his hands full, and uh, it's, it, 
in my opinion, I think it's a hot seat year for Wes. It's a proven year for him too. But uh, yeah, it, it's situational for me too. If you need buckets, yeah, I feel you that. Put Corey in there. If you need some stops on Giannis or uh, Brandon Ingram, and Denny's doing a heck of a job getting stops, then it's just like yeah, you got to put Denny in the building. Yeah, I I, I low key would would go small. Like mm-hmm. I love Gaff defensively, but yeah. if I could go Tyus Pool Corey Coos and then have like Gallo at the five, I I feel like that's a little like Gallo can stretch the floor. He can set screens. Defensively, it might be a little tough to get a rebound, but you can put Cooks there if you're going to keep him there. Um, maybe Gill, but I kind of like the small ball towards the end of the game. And obviously, yeah. like you mentioned, it's situational, but um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they're going to have to do a lot of small ball because, I mean, Mescala, he's going to play. He's going to get a lot of minutes because with Gafford, you know, he could go for a pump fake and set an illegal screen, and the next thing you know, we got to put Mescala mm-hmm. in the ball game. So, I mean, I think they need to find another big. But yeah, I think West is going to have to get creative and definitely go with a small ball lineup. Denny, Denny may have to play some five sometimes. Kuz has played the five in the past. Like you brought up Gallo, he's played the five in the past. Mescala is just, you know, he's just a smaller big. Gafford's a smaller. They're, they're more leaner, skinnier bigs. So they struggle against, you know, the guys. I mean, everybody struggles against Embiid, but they they really – Gafford really struggles against guys who are just as strong as him or bigger than him. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for uh, for our front court for sure. But yeah, I feel yeah, that. Yeah, next question I have for you. Um, you brought this question up on Twitter. Um, aside from Jordan Poole and Tyus Jones, which of these newly acquired wizards is going to have the most impact this season? I just want to get your answer on it and elaborate. Um, you put it on the list was Landry Shamet, Gallinari, Ryan Rollins, Pat Baldwin Jr., Mike Muscala, and then which which one of those guys that we brought in or that the front office brought in are you most excited to see? For me, it's Gallo. Uh, I think he's going under the radar a lot just because he's coming off an ACL, didn't play off last year. People are forgetting how good of a player he, he really is. I mean, t- take it back to his days in OKC. He was really good, especially on that Chris Paul team that made the playoffs, got traded over to Atlanta, and he was a consistent contributor there for their last couple playoff runs off the bench. He's a stretch at the four. He can shoot the three. He can take it inside. He's a very crafty player. And, I'm I'm very excited to see him. I I don't necessarily think he's going to start just because we have Kuz at the four, and I don't really like him at the three or the five. He's a pretty set-in-stone power forward. But I think he's going to take minutes away from Baldwin Jr. He's going to beat him out. He's going to beat out Gill. He's going to beat out Cooks. And look, when there's guys in the NBA that have stuck around as long as he has, and no matter where he goes, he contributes, you know that he's going to come into a situation and he's going to be good. Uh, and, and I feel like game on the line, that's why I won in there. I feel like I can trust him. I feel like he can go get me a bucket. And I, I think he's going to take this, this second unit to the next level with his ability to stretch the floor at, at the four. So I was it was hard-pressed between him and Shamit. It's the same thing for Shamit. He's been all over the league. There's a reason he's always involved in these trade packages for superstar players. Um, but I just think Gallinari is going to be a great contributor off the bench, and that's why I went with Gallo. Yeah. So, yeah, Gallo, you know, he's 35, just came off the ACL. Now, he is really motivated because he tweeted out about the Celtics. That's a revenge game for him. For some reason, he has something against the Celtics. So, I want to see how he plays when he when he bounces back this season. But, yeah, he can shoot the three. He can post up. He's still very talented. He can still really score off the bench um, and play the five and the four. And um, Pat Bowen Jr. is a guy to keep, keep an eye on. Uh, he just has to do other things than just knock down threes. He is 6'10". So, I do want to see him play a little bit like his size. In the summer league, I saw, you know, 
when he was off from the three, it was kind of like he wasn't doing anything else. Uh, Rollins, he's intriguing too. I thought he was one of the better players in the Summer League, if not the best player in the Summer League. He was the most consistent guy in the Summer League. And then Shemet, he, he's a three-point shooter, so I think he's going to be a guy that could come in to stretch the floor for sure. Um, but just looking at the offseason from all the trades and the transactions, I know that the front office made a lot of moves this offseason. Which move did you like the most and uh, which move did you like the least out of all the trades and moves they made? It's a great question. There's so many things to like this offseason. I want to say that my favorite move is letting Tommy Shepard go, but <laughs> I, I don't really feel like that, that should be said because everyone has sharing is sharing in that same opinion. But if I had to say my favorite, it's the pool trade just because – that's not like a, a, a trade where you had all these stored up assets and you shipped them off for a young 24-year-old NBA champion, fringe all-star who's only getting better, just averaged 20 a game. You traded your disgruntled star with a no-trade clause to a team. You got back Chris Paul, who many thought would be waived or sit on the bench and get bought out. And then you flipped Chris Paul for not only Jordan Poole, but you also flipped Chris Paul and the 57th pick for Poole, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was just the 28th pick in two, a draft two years ago, and Ryan Rollins, who's a really intriguing uh, young point guard. And you picked up uh, additional draft capital with the, the second-round pick that you got uh, and the protected first-round pick you get in 2027. All of that is, is from a, a trade that you traded Bradley Beal to the Suns and you got back CP3 was going to be waived. So I was, really, I was really happy that Will Dawkins was able to get all of that for Chris Paul. In terms of, of my least favorite move of the offseason, uh, I mean, I, I want to say the KP trade just because I, I, I felt like there was a, a future for KP in D.C. I didn't think he was going to demand that much money. I didn't think that necessarily the return we got for him was worth the move. Uh, obviously, I'm excited for Tyus Jones. You pick up the 35th pick. You get Gallinari. You get Muscala. But – I, I would have preferred to hold on to him until at least the deadline and see what we could have gone for him um, had we held on and, and seen what the offers were later down the line. I'm not necessarily mad at the trade, but I would have liked to see us get a little more return for him or hold out a little more because I, I did like KP as a player. But uh, I'm curious, what do you what do you guys think? What was your, your least favorite? Because that was a little tough for me. To- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Sorry. Yeah. And Brandon, you can go ahead. You can start um, that's a good question, man. I, I I hate to use the easy answer here, but I'm kind of piggybacking off you. You know, that, that Jordan pool trade was immaculate because like you said, you flipped the immaculate. You know, oh, I mean, you know, you flipped the older gentleman. Where, you know, like, you know, I'm 37, so I don't want to say aging here, but, you know, <laughs> but the fact that you were able to flip him for a young guy who, again, hasn't even hit his prime yet. This brother is dropping 20 points a game and hasn't even hit his prime yet. I mean, we did, this was just a crazy trade. I mean, this, you know, we had to sit through years of Tommy and his head scratching moves. And then in one offseason, I'm just like, wow, this is probably the best trade we've had in the last 10 years, man. I mean, it's just a good trade. But look at that KP. I'm with you. I thought that nobody else was going to offer him a significant amount of money, so I thought there was a big chance, you know, 
that he could stay in DC and then, you know, we could flip him at the deadline or maybe the long-term thing, but you know, I, I'm with you. We could have got more assets, but it kind of shows that if you look at KP and you look at Bradley Bill, you look at the market, man, the market showed that maybe we kind of overplayed our hand and maybe overvalued them a little bit, especially Bradley Bill. Now, you know, I get the no trade clause and all that, but you know, it's one thing, you know, fans have been saying that, you know, especially Bradley Bill, that we kind of overvalue him, but it's one thing for fans to say that. But when the, when other executives say, look, we just don't value him the way you do. You know, we, I mean, second round picks, I mean, we own every second round pick from now to like 2030. So we have plenty of second round picks, but um, no, I'm with you, man. You know, the Jordan Poole trade was outstanding. It was a dope trade. Um, the KP trade. Now I'll, I'll say this, um, this big three we have in the front office, they have done everything right. Now, the only thing I don't like about the offseason is front court depth. You know, the center position has to be addressed because I'm, I don't really, it doesn't sit well with me, Mike Muscala being the backup. Because, like you said, to me, Daniel Gafford's a backup, and I'm a big Gafford fan. But, you know, playing him more than 20 minutes is, is kind of iffy to me. So I think that, you know, eventually, whether it's before the season or before the deadline, we have to consolid- do a couple of consolidation trades and really find a center to come in here and, and take on significant minutes because, you know, nothing against Mike Muscala, but he ain't it. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> what do you think, yeah, I think I guess like you said, them not making a move to bring in more front court depth is certainly questionable. Of course, yeah, the best move was definitely getting Jordan Poole to flip, you know, Chris Paul and some and some seconds to get Jordan Poole, and then you attach Pat Baldwin and Ryan Rollins, two two prospects that definitely have potential. Pat Baldwin can shoot. Ryan Rollins is an athletic combo guard that can get to the basket and score. He can play some defense. So I thought they got a steal in Jordan Poole who like you said, has a lot of potential that can really score and uh, can potentially be an all-star on this team because he's, he's going to get a lot of shots. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to have a super, super green light. So they won that trade for sure. Chris Paul is, what, 38, 39? So he's a little bit older than you, Brandon. Um, basically speed walking at this point like the commercials. But, um, yeah, and then the worst is, I guess, not making a move to get uh, another big. The Porzingis trade, yes, you would have liked to get more because you saw with the Celtics guy, they got a first-round pick or two first-round picks. Um, so that was disappointing to not get a first when originally we made the trade with the Clippers, but that got nixed because of Michael Brogdon not being healthy. We would have actually got a what the thirty the last first round pick of the of the draft, but at least we finally we got a a first round pick. And then the Warriors we got a twenty thirty first round pick, but it's top twenty protected. So who knows if we'll ever see that pick? But um, a lot of people say Kuz. I actually like that we brought Kuz back. I thought that was a smart move. And then you look at the contract for Kuz, how the money uh, drops after the years, as the years go on, go on. So his contract is a, is a very uh, trade friendly contract. Um, but I guess if I had to say something that I didn't like, I didn't like that we traded. And I know we had to consolidate the roster because we had uh, Rollins and Pat Baldwin, but we traded the 35th pick to the bulls. I thought there was some talent out there on the second round. Um, I hate that Vucevic is staying. That's not the wizard's fault that, you know, it's just the contract situation. But I thought there was a couple of good guys in the second round that we could have gotten if we if we would have stayed with the 35, 35th pick. But I'm I'm pretty sure we had to consolidate. Like um, Gigi Jackson was available. I like him a lot. Amari Bailey out of UCLA. There there's a couple of guys I thought we could have got. But that's that's just me nitpicking a little bit. That's that's something I thought we could have got. Hunter Tyson for the Nuggets. He's really good. So I thought there was a couple of guys in the second round we could have got. But that's that's really small marginal. Yeah, no, that was awesome. That it, it, usually when you ask that about Wizards offseason, you're like, like, I got it right away. I already know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it made me a little. It made me happy that we had to little, like actually think about what our, our least favorite move of the offseason was. It's just not. 
like under Tommy Shepard, you would just have, okay, that's what everyone's be the favorite move is. It's pretty apparent, but under, under the new management, it's a little difficult to decide because everything they've done, I've, I've liked. Right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, this is nitpicking too. I mean, I was going to say Wave and Quentin Jackson, but he just didn't look good in the summer league mm-hmm. and it looked like he just wasn't in their plans. And I really did like Quentin Jackson last year. I thought he played really well. I thought he actually had somewhat of a future here, but the summer league was really bad. And it made sense. They brought on Jared Butler. They got Eugene. So we'll see who else they bring on the two-way contract uh, coming up. But, yeah, other than that, I thought the, I thought the offseason, was, offseason was fine for a rebuild. So I get moving on for, from Porzingis for sure. But uh, the last question I got, um, is of course the betting odds is at 24 and a half for the wizard season over under. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Um, are you, who are you taking? Are you taking the over or under? And then, uh, who, who do you have as your breakout player uh, this season for the wizards? I mean, like you might have to talk me out of this. I might throw my life savings on the over. I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Like I under, like we're not going to win the title. Obviously we're probably not even going to make the playoffs, but 25 wins, like, Mm-hmm. It just it seems so easy. Like it's just free money at that point. We have a good, like, a competent roster. We're not the Rockets of last year. We're not the Pistons. Like we have a bunch of NBA players that are, are ready to compete. Most of the rookies that we have are the younger guys, like Bilal and Johnny. They, they're not going to play as much as people think. Like we're going to be a decent team. We're not. We're not going to be top six in the East, but we're going to be a decent team. I just think twenty four is too low. Uh, I, I like maybe we can get to 30. I even like if it was 29 and a half, I might even consider the over. I think we'll be right around that range, but I, I'm just going to throw a lot of money on it. Like it, it's just, it seems like free money at that point. Um, but in terms of, in terms of my breakout player for this season, uh, I think I sent out like a poll like a, a month ago about it. Uh, mine, mine is Corey. I, I think, I think Denny will start, but it's not going to be a long leash for Denny. I hope he keeps that job, but Corey's going to be right there, breathing down his neck because he's just the most consistent player of the last couple of years. As you mentioned, Ed earlier, unbelievable cutter, always finds the the open spots if it's his own or if it's man, and and towards the like he, he shot almost fifty percent from three. Like mm-hmm. he he does his job, he knows his role, and he does his role really well. And I think playing with a guy like Tyus Jones in a uh, a guy that can get him the ball in the right spots is going to benefit him tremendously. Same goes for Delon on that second unit. Uh, and I'm really excited to see him kind of break out this year. It's just, uh, it's been a minutes thing. It's been a role thing the last couple of years, but I think being in that sixth man ish role this year, having an uptick in minutes, having competent point guard play for the first time in a little bit is going to definitely uh, allow Corey to, to break out this season. Definitely. Yeah, those are good. Those are good answers right there. I'm just looking at last year's records. Uh, some some teams that were really bad went over 25. Like the Hornets were a bad team. They did have LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. So yes, they did have talent, but they went over 24 and a half wins with 27. So you feel like they could do something like that. The Blazers had Dame. So that's why they went over with 33. The Rockets had, they were 22 and 60. The Spurs were, the Spurs were goodness awful 22 and 16 Pistons were really awful they had 17 wins and I, I do think like you said Greg the Wizards are better than the Pistons of last year the Spurs and Rockets so they should be flying around that 27 26 to 30 30 range yeah I, I agree yeah Brandon did you have a take on it I mean we're not gonna be a playoff team but I think we're gonna yeah. be entertaining to watch man I mean Kyle Kuzma Jordan Poole 
They're going to score a lot of points. It's going to be box office, man. It's going to be fun to watch. But, I mean, can you imagine if they get a better record than last year? I mean, people's heads might explode, man. I mean, <laughs> people wouldn't know what to do with themselves, man. If, we, if they mess around. I mean, imagine if they mess around and get a plan or playing a spot, man. It's, it's going to mess some people's heads yeah. up, man. So bye-bye to that pick. Oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. pick's gone, man. But I don't I don't think it's gonna happen, man. I think we're definitely gonna retain that pick. But nah, man, like I said, it, it was a pleasure. It was good having you on, man. So yeah. but yeah, thanks Appreciate for it, coming man. on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Greg. Um, if you have anything to plug or, or shout out, just let the people know. Just my Twitter, it's at, at Greg Finberg. That's where I post a lot of my wizard stuff. I also write for Bolts Forever, but I post all the links to that on my Twitter. So that's the only thing. Just if you wanted to follow me over there, that'd be great. Yes, sir. Make sure you guys follow Greg on Twitter and his work on Bullets Forever. He used to have a Denny Avia profile picture, but now it's himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he is I upgraded. Definitely... <laughs> yeah, he's definitely blown up on the Twitter scene for sure. So make sure you guys check out his work. He's always coming out with quick stuff and uh, quick info. So we just want to thank you for coming on as well. And uh, we want to thank you guys. Make sure you guys subscribe and hit the notification bell as well. And uh, hit that like button on YouTube. Hell to the Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.